Hello, everybody, and welcome to Poetry Dose. This is a very special episode. Very excited about this episode. Why? Let me set it up for you real quick, and then we'll get into it. My partner in this podcast, as you may or may not know, is Tina Kane. Tina Kane is the poet laureate of the good old state of Rhode Island, the ocean state. We know it. You love it. Anyway, she sat down recently with a Radio Shack recording device that I uh, provided to her out of our um, very extensive uh, budget um, Excel spreadsheet. And she sat down in that lobby and she met with none other than the United States Poet Laureate. Tracy K. Smith. That's right, everybody. Tracy K. Smith is on Poetry Dose. This is episode 12. Okay? We're like an overnight sensation. Wow. Anyway. No kidding. All kidding aside. That's what you're supposed to say, right? All kidding aside, we are very grateful to have Tracy on today. And um, let me just... Usually I do this at the end, but I'd like to just just let you know who you're dealing with here. Tracy K. Smith, born in the great state of Massachusetts, raised in the great state of California. She earned a BA from Harvard University. Ever heard of it? Yeah. And an MFA in creative writing from Columbia University. Jeez. From 97 to 99, she held... A Stegner Fellowship at Stanford University. Smith is the author of three books of poetry. The Body's Question, published in 2003, which won the Cave Canham Prize for the best first book by an African-American poet. Wow. Duende, published 2007, winner of the James Laughlin Award and the Essence Literary Award. In this conversation... Tracy shares with us a excerpt from her current book called Wade in the Water. Let's go with this conversation now with Tracy K. Smith and Tanky. Smith. Um, we're having a short conversation before she goes to Moses Brown for the Providence Poetry Festival. Her reading is the capstone um, event at the end of what's been a really wonderful week. So um, she's going to read a poem for us now, and, and then we'll talk a little bit. Wade in the Water for the Geechee Gullah Ring Shouters. 
One of the women greeted me. I love you, she said. She didn't know me, but I believed her, and a terrible new ache rolled over in my chest, like in a room where the drapes have been swept back. I love you. I love you. As she continued down the hall, past other strangers, each feeling pierced suddenly by pillars of heavy light. I love you throughout the performance, in every hand clap, every stomp. I love you in the rusted iron chains someone was made to drag, until love let them be unclasped and left empty in the center of the ring. I love you in the water where they pretended to wade, singing that old blood-deep song that dragged us to those banks and cast us in. I love you, the angles of it scraping at each throat, shouldering past the swirling dust motes in those beams of light that whatever we now knew we could let ourselves feel knew to climb. Oh, woods. Oh, dogs. Oh, tree. Oh, gun. Oh, girl, run. Oh, miraculous many gone. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Is this love the trouble you promised? This is a poem that came out of an experience of attending a ring shout, um, which is rooted in African-American history back to the days of slavery, where spirituals contained, you know, uplifting uh, messages about redemption and God's love. And under the surface, they often contain messages that help the enslaved find their way to freedom. And this song uh, is one example. Um, the woman in the poem was a real woman who greeted everyone that night with, you know, the statement, I love you, and a hug in a way that felt so genuine um, and surprising and moving that I had to um, sit down and write about it after a few days after I got back home. Um, I think that the poems I've been writing lately are really interested in the ways that love makes us vulnerable and how beautifully necessary and incredibly terrifying that is. Yeah, that's one of your most beloved and, um, and beautiful poems. And um, it, it made me think, um, it makes me think um, about a couple of things. One is a comment, um, I did a reading a couple of weeks ago down in New York, and one of the writers who I read with wrote to me after he wanted to put together a panel, and he said, do you have any poems? Is it, does your work have any magic or ghosts or um, supernatural in it? I'm putting together a panel, and I said, no, actually. Um, even if I feel that everything I write is somehow about being haunted. Mm. And when I think about some of what you just said about the power of love and the necessity of it, but also um, some of your poems in Life on Mars, um, I think about haunting as, and I don't mean it in the supernatural uh -huh. ghost-like sense, but in the persistent um, sense of yearning, mm -hmm. almost, that I feel, I started thinking about that question a lot in terms of other people's work, and realizing that I'm not just the only one that's haunted, <laughs> and that maybe that is actually a common thread, however it manifests itself in 
um, a poet's urge to write. And it's sort of what I, with my students, I call my concerns. Like, what are your concerns as a writer? Mine are these, and these are the things I find myself haunted by. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering, there is a little bit of haunting, I find, especially like, around loss and um, yearning in a lot of your work. Yeah. And what would you, how would you characterize that? Or what would you call it? And what would you say your concerns are? Or how have they developed as you've developed as a writer? Mm -hmm. I love that idea of haunting. Um, what I immediately think of is this belief that I really do have that each of us is haunted by a large, old self mm -hmm. that has been around forever and that um, remembers what's important and that is aware that the important things are often the really small and easy to overlook things. Um, and somehow if we can follow those possibilities, um, we can find our way back to each other and to this large sense of, of what is real, what lasts, what's, what's important. Um, in my work, I think the question of what is real and, and what can help me become my original self has a lot to do with um, you know, thinking about what's on the other side of the world that we can see, you know, that we participate in, that we make. I think um, loss is a big part of that because I've lost both of my parents mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm always listening for them somehow. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm always listening for this large, strange mystery that they have returned to that I think we all descend from. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe that, that's what I'm aware of, at yeah. least. And it's funny, we were joking um, downstairs about both being the mother of three children, <laughs> and I kind of think about how children, whether they're one's own children, but if one works with children, or is close to children, they really remind us of the value of the small mm -hmm. And that actually somehow is, um, can really impact practice as a poet or I kind of refocus the eye again when the larger you know things. so now thinking about your role as poet laureate of the United States has that role in terms of um, being a public figure um, having people I find that people reach out to me a lot mm -hmm. and um, it's been really wonderful and surprising um, in terms of um, what they think I might have to offer, and I sometimes feel ill-equipped, but <laughs> I recognize what it is, which is people's yearning, once again, to connect. Yeah. So how has this experience um, in your role informed how you think about all of those concerns that you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear from people. It's funny because sometimes in, um, you know, like media forums, the question often is some version of, well, does poetry matter? Mm -hmm. And how can people learn to like poetry who hate it? Mm -hmm. And what I find more predominantly in hearing from, you know, people who send me letters or people who come to events is that poetry has a part in people's lives, even if it's deep in the memory. I was a child and I used to recite these poems. I turn to them when I'm, you know, struggling or, um, you know, thanks for reminding us of these, these small, meaningful um, things that can help me give voice to those feelings that sit within me that I can't always describe to other people. Um, it, it's exciting, I think, to be in what I think of as like that pursuit of like, okay, what do we feel? What does it mean to be human? How can I describe that in my own vocabulary and listen to you describe it in your own vocabulary? It's exciting to be doing that work 
together with other people, even if it means simply we're going to listen to a poem together and talk about what it makes us think or remember. Um, that feels like really important human work. And I think it also is a reclaiming of language as a living force, as a, as a not just an art, but something that um, gives shape to what makes us human, you know, keeps us connected to the feelings that um, lots of other things in our culture seem intent upon drowning out. Yeah, yeah and that brings me to um, the friend who put us in touch, Greg Pardlow. He's a good friend. And um, he, I, I, I think I saw, it was maybe a year ago we were having lunch, and he said, oh, I just saw Tracy K. Smith for lunch, and I forgot to ask her how she feels about serving during this administration. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess what I mean would be more, not just this administration from my point of view, but from during this cultural moment. Yeah, this moment because, in America. Um, you know, you know, as we just talked about briefly, like, I have some feelings about that too, um, but I also recognize it's very different on a national level, where you sit and where you practice from. And, um, and I do believe that the administration is one part of it, but it's a culmination of where we've been heading, and it's also revealing to us who we are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how has that been for you? And I also wonder, you've got this really wonderful initiative to make your way to rural areas of America, and I think that's really fantastic. Um, for many reasons, but maybe if you could talk about that and what its connection is to how you might be feeling in other ways. Yeah, well, in terms of like this moment in America, we are reminded at every turn that we're divided, that, you know, it's toxic, that we have um, so much animosity and fear toward one another that we're never going to get past this. Um, I think that one way of getting past the anxiety of, of the 21st century has to do with lowering our voices, uh, removing ourselves from the vocabulary of conflict, um, removing ourselves even from the vocabulary of tolerance, mm -hmm. and stepping into a vocabulary that's, that's um, humanizing, mm -hmm. a place where love has, has a place, a place where um, just vulnerability plays a role where I can say this is this is what I'm afraid of but this is what's important to me mm -hmm. and I bet you have things that are important to you and things that are, frighten you as well mm -hmm. um, can I listen to what you have to say mm -hmm. instead of you know assuming what I might imagine to be true for you um, I think poems teach us to do that because every time you pick up a poem there's an unfamiliar reader talking to you about an unfamiliar set of experiences in language that isn't logical all the time and that is rooted in metaphors that pull you out of your own specifics and into his or hers or theirs and um, I feel like that's just good practice anytime and doubly so when we're you know scared yeah yeah, because I, I feel that poems are bridges, mm -hmm. and um, there's a different kind of, there's so many kinds of poetry, there's a poetry for every single type of person out there, mm -hmm. and that um, it just needs to be, the connection needs to be made. Yeah, and we're each many different types of people, Yeah, you know? Can, yes. And I think and poems also, and yeah. yeah. And yeah, so I, I, I do feel that 
that shared kind of that shared perspective of mm -hmm. mission and, and purpose, and it's thrilling, and it's really thrilling to witness you kind of doing this on a national level. It's, it's very exciting, and so um, we also do a, a segment called School Dose, where um, I like to have poets talk about poems that they loved when they were young. And oftentimes it was introduced by a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there were any school teachers that you remember that were important in your life or that maybe had anything to do with your love of writing. Oh, many, many. But the poem I brought with me is a poem that one of my first um, creative writing teachers um, made us memorize in, in the workshop. I had never memorized, like deliberately memorized a poem before. I accidentally memorized poems that had just spoken to me and that were brief. Um, but this is a poem that in some ways I feel my poem, Wade in the Water, um, couldn't have emerged without my having lived with this poem by George Herbert in my heart for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's called Love Three. Love bade me welcome. Yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, ah, oh, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand, and smiling did reply, Who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame. My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. I love how um, ageless or current, you know, the voice in this poem feels. There's some, you know, like inversions, mm -hmm. but it really does feel like a voice who's passed through all markers of time mm -hmm. and space and is just saying, this is, this is what happened to me. Um, this is how I came to accept this gift of love. Um, and I even love in the last stanza, um, the speaker does that kind of colloquial thing that happens sometimes when you're telling a story where he goes into the present tense. Mm -hmm. The whole poem has been, you know, in the past tense. And then at the end he says, and know you not, says love who bore the blame. Almost mm -hmm. the way, you know, mm -hmm. we're in conversation. And so then she says right, right, right. Um, that the memory becomes so urgent. And I, I love think. this image of consuming. Because yeah. while you were speaking, what, you know, waiting the water of love and the power of love and the repetition of I love you, I love you, and then here with this kind of consumption of love, and while you were talking about poetry before, I was thinking, right, if we could only consume language with the same appetite that we try to consume or encourage to consume some of the other things, yeah. there's this sort of consuming love. I really have a strong, um, I feel like I'm getting cantankerous in my old age, but I think that you know con our consumer culture that's so... Um, urges and stokes this appetite to buy things, to, you know, become pampered and to push away everything that's a distraction from our own self-fetishization. Um, I feel like it's, it's infected our language for everything, yeah. our fr language for friendship, our language for introspection.
Tracy K. Smith, everybody, the United States Poet Laureate. I love that. Um, great conversation, and my biggest takeaway, if anybody hears it all, is there's an artist out there, an American artist representing our country, and she has great character. Great character. That's the kind of person you want representing your country right there. What a beautiful person. What a beautiful set of poems she uh, discussed with Tina. Thank you so much to Tracy K. Smith for coming on the show. This is Poetry Dose. We'll see you next time. Trouble the water. He's gonna trouble the water.